Over the last couple of weekends, if you've been wandering along Portobello High Street, you may have been stopped and asked for your input into the conversations happening as part of Heart Talk Porty. Mia McGregor and Sam Green brought Portobello The Cube, a giant box accompanied by graffiti pens, which tours all over the place and gives the public an opportunity to write or draw on it what they'd like to see in their community. So I started the Cube project about four years ago now with the intentions of being the biggest participatory artwork in the UK. So we're up to 26,000 people, which I think is pretty pretty cool. It's quite a lot, That's quite a lot of people. I've been taking the Cube recently into you know, community spaces and to talk to people about you know, different things like what their community wants or we did one with the Samaritans about mental health. People just really like the opportunity to talk about you know, what they're going through or what they want to see happening. You're inviting people to write on it today. Yeah, Draw, so, write or just I would say it's like mostly to do with the conversations that we have in between so when somebody is too scared to take that initial drawing step like we'll make sure that we record also the information that's happening even verbally around the cube so if you think about this as like you know your community what do you want to see on it like what do you want to see happening in your community so it's these conversations while being creative like people start to think and they start to engage with each other and find commonalities and they'll see something that resonates with them and they'll be like yes I'd love to see that happen so it makes them think about other ideas what do people want safe cycling less cars in this vicinity this area more pedestrianizing using the streets as a place to gather arts is a big one they arts is art a big hubs, one art opportunities for young people and kids um safer nightlife and safe evening spaces for young people like a public living room was suggested as like a well-lit space because if young people have nowhere to go then that's when it leads them to criminal activity or behaviour and if young people just had like a public space that was well lit that they could go to in the evenings and just hang out that was safe and you know public then there'd be less chance of them leading into you know antisocial behaviour and things so that was quite a, that there was, was quite couches light. on the beach I thought that was interesting yeah so, like beach yeah. couches with like beach um, couches like covers over them what yeah. else have we had we had the like residential parking toilets we need new toilets What's wrong with the toilets? We don't know, I've They've not been, not but, good things, but we're not good things about the toilets, no. They would like new ones, and they would like ones that are closer to the beach. With showers? Yes, because apparently yeah. the line is very, very long in the summer, and so when you have lots of little children that need the bathroom... Yeah, and I think, I think someone was also saying about uh, making the sea cleaner, because I think the, yeah, they was, the, the sewage dumping and litter and things, and if it was a, a cleaner place to go swim, more people would use it and take care of it. That is Youth one. clubs as well. A cafe youth club. That was good. And That's a, a good idea. community food was a, a good one as well. Community kitchen. Yeah. So when, when you arrived this morning, was this blank? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm seeing... Lots of things. Stay local, love your neighbours, well-lit public living room for young people. I like that. Yeah. Donuts. Safer nightlife. Let's see what else I've got. Make the streets safer, more cycle routes, clean sea to swim in every day. Yes, safer for kids to cycle. Like Copenhagen. Less street peeing. More toilets. Better stuff for kids. Play parks, cycle lanes. Community, not capitalism. Should Porty be pedestrianised? Question mark. Listen to each other. So does this differ from what you often see or is it quite similar across different communities? I think that the cycle one is a big yeah. thing. That we hear that a lot, yeah. wherever it is. 
I've seen a lot of people on bikes here, yeah. which is good. And you know, we're seeing a lot of young people like without parents. So yeah. if you're ma to make it safer and more opportunities for them. I think there was just a lot of general conversation about a hub of some kind, some sort of art place or community place to go to. Because we're from Stirling, we do have those things. So we don't generally hear that come up on the topic of conversation because we have that. Picking up on a theme then, also as part of Heart Talk Porty, there was a conversation about how Porty sees the future of transport. I spoke with Ellen Grunvolt, one of the directors at Porty Community Energy, about how they were getting on. So we're a community organisation that's looking to uh, reduce carbon footprints in the community, so by reducing travel carbon footprints, footprints from heating and from electricity. We're trying to make it easier for people to make choices that are greener. And what have you been chatting to people about today? We've been chatting to people about greener transport and travel in Portobello and the measures that they would like to see in the future. We asked people to fill in their postcode and how they travelled here, whether that's walking or cycling or driving or the bus, and what kind of measures they favoured. So we put, we put posters up with, um, you know, I would like... Uh, more cycle routes, I would like uh, to be able to cycle or I would like to be able to hire a car, a shared car or I would like um, the high street to be pedestrianized and then people could put like stickers where there are three favorite things and then we're going to tally them up and we've had a really good response so you know people just walk past and you know we're happy to, to engage with us and yeah it's been a great day. Nobody giving you any grief? Not controversial at all? No, there was one person who questioned whether pedestrianisation of the high street would be a good thing for Portobello because he saw examples of where it's sort of increased crime. But we've also spoken to many people who are from places where the, where the high street has been pedestrianised. So in Montreal, in places in the Netherlands, in places in Denmark, where it has actually increased footfall. It increases people coming to the high street. More people who don't drive are encouraged to come because they think it's a safer and nicer place to shop. So it actually can increase business, for sure. And we believe that it, that it can and it will. What is it that keeps you motivated? Why are you doing this with your Saturday? You could be off relaxing. I think the climate emergency is like the biggest threat to, to us, you know, to our planet, to us living here. So I think whatever we can do to make it more livable, to prevent climate change, um, I think is, is worth, you know, is worth all our efforts. So that's why I'm here. And I think, you know, more active travel and transport is absolutely a key, uh, a key aspect to that. I also managed to catch up with James Lewis from Spokes Porty about how this conversation sits in the lobbying that their organisation has been doing for active travel. Pre-pandemic, we were starting to produce documents to, to, you know, to lobby the council on things like dropping all the curbs onto the prom so you don't have to bump the curb on your bike, which is a problem for less firm people, more infirm people. Um, but we've not had much luck with that. We got the barriers widened on the long Harry Lauder footbridge so that people could cycle through them better. That was our one achievement of infrastructure. But then since the pandemic and the spaces for people, we've mainly been responding to the ETRO applications and the spaces for people installations. And then now we're starting to respond to the longer term versions of those. Longer term, we've got plans to try and do a traffic survey to count how many cars that come to Portobello just go straight through. 
so that we've got data to make an argument for things like a bus gate on the high street, that sort of thing. I really dislike the sound of the cars and the busyness of the high street and uh, it just aggravates me when people drive short distances. You know, obviously there's a need for cars. If you want to go to Duns or Kelso, it takes a very long time on a bus and it's a very roundabout route. Um, but if you want to go to Prince's Street, you get a bus or you cycle, you don't drive, you know, you want to go shopping. Why do people need to drive to Asda from Portobello? It is a kilometre. Oh. Have you had good conversations today? Does something like today kind of motivate you a little bit? Yeah, it's been really here? fun actually. People, uh, you know, you say you've got a minute and they look skeptically at you and then you give them the spiel and they suddenly wake up and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, this is great. And they love it and they, they, you know, they're like, oh, these are all such good options. I've only got three stickers to put on these, these choices you're giving me. Almost overwhelmingly positive engagement from the community because everybody can see that there's a problem. Great. Um, look, this tarp's coming. I'm going to have to let you get get it back. I better, better help, yeah. Grand. Thanks so much for your All time. All right, thanks. So as you can hear, they are packing away their gazebo into a cart which James has borrowed from a neighbour so that they could return the table and structure to Belfield without using a car, of course. But I managed to squeeze in a quick word with Brenda Park from Porty Community Energy. Loads of people came along for a chat and that was great. Loads of people into cycle routes and improved cycling infrastructure and that kind of thing. Everyone agreed there was a traffic problem in Porty. Nobody said there wasn't. The most extreme measure to reduce traffic is pedestrianising the, the high street. Some people thought that was a bit too extreme, but some people were really excited about it and really passionate about it and envisaged you know, quiet green streets with the restaurant tables and chairs out in the street. And uh, someone passed by from Montreal and they were saying... Um, they proposed it for a street there and all the businesses were complaining and saying it's going to be bad, we're going to lose business. But then when it happened, business actually improved, it tripled and now there's a really nice atmosphere on the street and there's, there's examples around the world that we can learn from, I think. And that's pretty exciting. I'm taking that away from today that uh, that is maybe a possibility and a really exciting one for Portobello. If you're interested, follow Porty Community Energy on Facebook and Twitter because they're going to post the results of the surveys on there. As a related but separate conversation, Stephen Hawkins led a discussion about the possibility of pedestrianising the high street in Portobello. I'm hoping it's going to be um, an interesting conversation on what we might be able to do with Portobello High Street and introducing some pedestrianisation to it. What are the constraints, the barriers to it? What are the advantages and the benefits that are going to come to people? to being able to walk around Portobello High Street, do the shopping, meet people, and not be bothered, really, by cars whizzing past. So it was really nice to see Portobello come to an arrangement whereby cars don't actually take precedence over people, especially in the social setting, like the High Street. Quite a few years ago, we had a campaign to keep a large supermarket, a hypermarket, out of Portobello. It's really the support for independent traders in Portobello who have come through during heavy periods of snow. They're there, you see people coming to the high street who would never come to it. During the COVID crisis, the local shops kept open. So one of the things is in encouraging people to use less of their private cars. We still want to ensure that there is a very, very good public bus service. So how do we accommodate that in a pedestrianised setting when we only have one high street? You know, the buses, the cars that are allowed to transport, the, the delivery lorries have to work around pedestrians 
and we create a street scene. Um, some of the furniture, some of the barriers that are formed at the moment by curbs, you know, get, get rid of them so that everybody knows when they drive into this area, if they have to drive into the area, that it's a pedestrian area, that pedestrians take precedence and they have to accommodate them, not the other way around. I tell you what, I would much prefer to record podcasts on a high street without all this background traffic noise. But I have one more to share in this episode. Whilst visiting the Cube, I ended up having a fascinating conversation with Lynn Dark, who brought Heart Talk a conversation called Building Resilience. How do we take care of ourselves and each other during times of transition and grief? So when you start talking about things like death and dying, grief and bereavement, there's a big cultural and social taboo about that. And a lot of people aren't practised in the art of having that kind of conversation. And for many people, the first time they actually have to have the conversation is literally because they have to have the conversation. Something awful happens or they get given a diagnosis or somebody dies and they don't know how to deal with it. Not just emotionally, but they don't know how to maintain the connections that keep people able to be resilient and support one another. It's, it's a kind of, it all goes under the, under the rug and nobody knows what to say. So nobody says things. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing, so they don't say anything at all. So your hope is that as a community we can kind of practice how we manage and talk about it? Yeah, I I love the idea of practicing. Um, I was in a small group yesterday and we were talking about compassion and um, being present to conversations that are difficult, particularly with people who are living with a life-limiting condition. They almost become slightly ostracised because we don't know what to say, we're really sorry, and then when we've said we're really sorry, now what do we do? Um, And so we talked about the idea of practicing. Um, And there's a buzzword around in the field called death literacy. Um, And so most of us are familiar with the ABC of education. You know, we're taught how to read, how to write, arithmetic. We're not taught how to have conversations and how to show up to people when they're in in difficulty. I think some people are more naturally gifted, but most of us are afraid of making a mistake or getting it wrong. So we, we tend to avoid it. So I'm hoping that people will be brave enough to say, is there anything we can do about this as a community? So ideas, inspiration, creative opportunities to to raise the subject and to keep it open so that we become more death literate as a community in Portobello. Certainly in Inverclyde, there's a big movement called Compassion Inverclyde and that is a huge, vast area where people are actually engaged in activities that bring compassionate care to people who are living with illness or with grief or suffering or dying. On a small local level, in the hospice grounds last week, we had an absent friends tree where people were invited to come and tie a ribbon. A year ago in St Mark's Portobello, we had an absent friends. It was kind of a journey through the grounds with little points of refuge and reflection where you could actually reflect on the loss of somebody and leave a mark or plant a crocus or pick up a piece of rosemary and and, and reflect and I know that the bonfire the the absent friends bonfires on the beach so for me it's about almost making people aware that these things are happening so joining the dots really yeah but the compassionate communities as a social movement is a big thing amongst hospices I suppose it's something that religious groups have always been good at yeah (laughs) holding that it's a really good point yeah I think you're right and I think historically church was almost an integral part of many people's lives and now it's not Um, and I think people are often quite um, suspicious of religion. Um, They'll often come to church for things like the Easter service or you know the Christmas midnight mass. Um, The absent friends event last year was an opportunity for people to actually engage with something that was meaningful 
and sacred in the sense that anybody that's that you've lost in your life um, I think it does touch into something about the mystery the sacredness where are they what's happened and I think it usually brings people into touch with their own mortality and uncertainty so it's a bit of a kind of an existential crisis um, and I think church was often a place where people would um, value the ritual and so it's a community I don't know that church offers or at least communities see the church as a place of ritual and community in the same way I think the gym is a place of ritual and community um, the pub is often a place of ritual and community um, it doesn't need to be in a church but I think if you've got an active church that can really break down its own walls uh, and engage with people um, where they're at rather than try to get them on board same with the hospice that's what we're doing let's engage with where you're at what's important to you you don't have to come to us to get what you need in fact it's all around you so how can we help you and your neighbours do this well yeah it demedicalizes the whole notion of what's a good death what's a good grief what's a good bereavement how do we do it well yeah you don't need any doctors or nurses for that <laughs> yeah yeah it's really challenging me while I'm thinking about it yeah and actually we firmly believe that there isn't anybody in in a community that doesn't have something to offer to that because everybody to some extent even if they've not lost somebody to death has gone through a transitional experience you know the fact that we all go to nursery go to school leave home do our best at university get married um, these are all significant transitions death is is probably the one that most of us avoid talking about for the longest you know it's startling how much time we spend preparing for a wedding how much time we spend preparing for a birth and we almost avoid any preparation for our death and we leave it to the people that are left behind like I have no idea what she wanted you know what hymn should we nobody talked about it so yeah planning ahead is 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 part of living life if we had a, a, some cultural and societal diversity at this conversation that would be amazing because I think another thing and I don't mean this in any negative way I think hospice as a movement has almost dug itself into a hole and I think certainly at the, at the hospice at St Columbus we would be the first to say that our, our, you know, the, the, the most significant number of people in terms of demographics that would, that would be part of our service provision tend to be white, tend to be middle class, tend to have some kind of Christian denomination, they're not necessarily religious and, and it's almost like how, how have we missed out on the diversity of people that could be contributing to the way we do this well. Part of that is to devolve our power back, you know, power to the people. Um, what do we need to learn from you as a community that would help us provide better care? I suppose I'm just amazed that this many people want to stand in the cold street or in a drafty church on their weekend because they believe that community is important and that conversation is important. I think it's easy to feel frustrated at the slow pace and small scale of community action when faced with huge issues like climate catastrophe and grief. But it is heartening that people will stop and make time to listen to one another here. And I very much welcome that the community seems to be developing a way to gather its ideas collectively, to support each other, rather than spread out all of this precious voluntary energy that people are contributing to their neighbourhood.